Welcome to the Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Tambio. Do you want to live a life that makes you happy, healthy, and well? On this podcast, we'll explore wellness insights and inspiration that will help you to cultivate more joy and well-being. I want you to live your best, most beautiful, and vibrant life. Because when we nourish ourselves, we nourish our families, our communities, and our world. Thank you for joining me on this journey to well-being. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee Surf Yoga Wine Podcast. It's been a few weeks since I put out an episode, and it's so good to be back again. I've been busy with work, family, taxes, and making sure I'm finding time for my own self-care. But I'm excited to share that I've also been working on a special project just for you. That's right. I've created a free guide to help you to live your coffee, surf, yoga, wine lifestyle. My mission is to help each and every one of you to live a life of balance, joy, and well-being. Yet amidst our busy and full lives, I know that this can be much easier said than done. We need to be intentional about our time and build the habits or lifestyle that will really allow us to experience health and happiness. And that's what living a coffee, serve, yoga, wine lifestyle is all about. So in order to help you with this, I've created a short guide called Four Tips for Living a Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine Lifestyle Plus a Bonus Planner. The guide and planner will help you to put the pillars of coffee, surf, yoga, and wine into action in your own life so that you can experience more balance, more joy, more ease, and more well-being. This guide is completely free, so just click on the link in the show notes to access your copy. Once you've had a chance to look it over, please let me know what you think. What was the most helpful or what would you like more or less of? Send me a message on Instagram at Coffee Surf Yoga Wine or send me an email at Coffee Surf Yoga Wine at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you. On today's episode, I'll be talking with a friend of mine, Laura Cho Stutler. Laura is the founder and owner of Lulu's Lay and Bouquets, an adorable flower shop in Haleiwa on the North Shore of Oahu. It is a beautiful little shop and you should definitely check it out in person or online next time you're looking for some flowers. The interesting thing is that Laura didn't start out in the flower business. Laura went from practicing as a clinical psychologist specializing in trauma treatment to following her creativity and passion into flowers. On top of this, she is a mother of three lovely children and an avid surfer who loves exploring surf travel. Laura and I first met in Lama's class when we were both pregnant with our first babies. Now both of our oldest are 16 years old, which means that we've known each other for almost 17 years. Over the years, I have always been so impressed and inspired by Laura's ability to shift, change, take risks, and accomplish amazing things, all the while surfing and mothering her three kids. Her unique path and life experiences enable her to share insights that can really impact our lives, and I know that you are going to get so much out of our conversation. Without further ado, the amazing Laura Cho Stutler. Well, hello, Laura. Welcome. I am so happy to have you on the show today. You are a mom of three beautiful children now, and you were a practicing clinical psychologist specializing in trauma. And then you started your own flower business, Lulu's Lay and Bouquets. So you have paved a very unique and fascinating path. So could you tell me How did you get from being a clinical psychologist to opening a flower shop? You know, I was always really into school and academics, and I thought that was the way to go. And that's what I should do and who I should be. Um, And and it worked well. You know, like I, I think just through high school and college and grad school, I just followed the this very easy path and really loved it, really enjoyed it. And 
if I have to look back, I don't think I really asked myself though, during that time, like what necessarily I would really want, what would be fulfilling for me. And even through starting the flower shop. So I, I, I'd been practicing for a long time and our little community had a flower shop and they ended up closing um, after like 20 some years. And I thought, oh, wow, I, I really want to open a flower shop back up because we needed it. We'd always go there for our lay and, you know, grab a few flowers. And it was this little sleepy shop on the North shore. And so I thought, oh, that would be easy to do. And some years went by, I first tried to, to open it right as they were closing. And, um, I remember the real estate agent at the time was kind of laughed me out of her office. Cause she was like, no way you've never done flowers before. No way. Um, and so I, you know, I just kind of put that thought behind my hat, you know, but in the back of my mind and I just thought, okay, well, the timing isn't right. I can't get that same exact space. Something will happen. And, um, I was practicing in this, this little building and a space became available and the manager at the time that of the lease had asked, what do you think should go there? And I thought, oh, you should do a flower shop. Not really thinking it would be me. <laughs> and then the next day, um, she came back and she's like, why don't you open the flower shop? <laughs> and so I did. And, um, I, I just started, you know, kind of looking into it and, um, looked, I didn't even think of weddings and, um, you know, events. I really just thought of like day to day flower and lay. Um, and I started to put a team together. I never saw myself as creating and, and, you know, really diving into that, even though I'm interested in art and have somewhat of a design interests and background. And so I really, I just hired a team. I hired, I did my practice all day and I hired, you know, a, a designer and photographer and a wedding planner and all of these people to kind of come together and build it. And then sure enough, over time, I started to learn and get more involved in the actual day-to-day -day things. Um, and then last year, um, after designing, after all these years, like last year, I decided, okay, I was going to call it quits on my practice and not juggle so much <laughs> and um, really, yeah, just be full time into the flowers. I think that's just so amazing how you kind of allowed yourself to just follow that intuition and that thing that you really wanted to do. I think that's really brave. And and how you kind of just allowed it all to happen, you know? I mean, how did yeah. you just kind of give yourself that gift of just having the courage to just do all of these things, like in this area that you really had, you know, it was just kind of a totally different thing. How did you yeah. kind of allow yourself to do that? Yeah, I it definitely, um, I think there was a series of things. I, you know, I went on this surf exploration trip and it was a, it was a boat trip. It was during the pandemic, like the start of it all. And, um, we ended up staying like 52 days on a boat in the middle of <laughs> like circumnavigating, <laughs> um, Indonesia. Like we were just like, we, we really covered the whole archipelago and it was beautiful. And there was a moment out there when like we had, we were supposed to do a two week trip then it stayed to three weeks. And like I said, it just kept going and going. And it was me and my good friend were the only ones left. Everyone after two, um, the first three weeks went home. Um, and we just had the ability to do that. Like my flower shop, like all the weddings had canceled because of all the closures in Hawaii. So I really didn't have a lot going on here. And my team could operate whatever was happening in the shop at the time. And Ed had the kids. So I really had this gift of, of time. And I think that was the biggest impact. There was a day. I remember the morning It was a specific day. We were, went to go and surf and um, I just was moved by a moment where I thought about like, well, what am I doing and who am I out here? And, you know, out there you are you there's 
there's nothing else to maintain or uphold or expectations. And, you know, we all do work on ourselves. And I had thought that there are a lot of the work that I had done to be a clinician, you know, had already happened. And there were new things that kind of the same themes came up. And I, it, it's crazy, you know, it just kind of really swept me off my feet. And I thought, wow, what am I doing? And through the pandemic, you know, we'd all had those moments where so much was going on. And I think a lot of us are, you know, looking back on that, all that free time that we had with our family or friends or just alone. And it was one of those moments where I thought, I'm really doing a lot here. And what do I really want to focus on? And I think, I mean, really, you know, having been a clinician and worked through hospitals and different organizations and then being in private practice. I think it was like really a standstill moment for me where I was like, okay, I don't have to keep spinning all these plates. I have what's really important with me and I can, I can just make the decision to be more free because, you know, I think going through grad school and being a clinician, I never really thought about the amount of time um, and where you have to be in order to make an income. I mean, it's as simple as you have to be in a chair to make money. And um, that didn't sit well with me after, you know, after this trip, I I thought, wow, that's, you know, even though I love my clinical experience, I love being a doctor, psychologist and helping people. It was, it was more to me to have that time with my family and my children and um, devoting that time to creating. So I was really lucky and fortunate that, that I could, you know, survive and my husband and I could really make it work to shift and, and just do, you know, just do the design, just do the the flowers and the creative part of it. So um, when I came back, I was like, okay, how do I, have an early retirement strategy and get into get into the flowers more. Yeah, well, I love that whole mindset of, you know, just wanting to do what makes you feel really alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love how you listen to that and how you gave yourself the space um, in order to have that realization and that moment. And obviously, you know, this, what you've decided to do with your flower shop is serving you as a person. Um, and it seems to be really serving your well being. But, yeah. you know, for some people, I think they might be wondering, like, wow, well, but how? how would you logistically make that jump from that? You know, how do you give up that whole career that you had and that you had really built up? I mean, you had gone through school and your doctorate and everything, and you were practicing um, clinical psychologists. Um, And then, and then I don't know, somehow you were able to just to create this whole business and actually start even have a team from day one, which a lot of people, I think they kind of start out by themselves. It seems like there must have been a lot of logistics in at play here. I'm just really curious about like, how did you make that happen? Like being able to kind of just jump in with a whole team like that from the, from day one, which I think is, is wonderful and really smart because it is hard. Um, I think if you were trying to do this whole business by yourself. Yeah. Budgeting. I, I wish I could say like, I, I definitely planned a five year <laughs> plan of, you know, made a five-year list of things. I I wish that I had that insight. Um, I guess in some ways I've always been like a, like a risk taker, but like a calculated risk. And so I knew, okay. So when I had my practice, I was also working for an organization um, part-time. And so I could balance really, op, you know, operating with them and trying to build a flower shop because the the only really overhead I had at the time were paying salaries, but also um, the rent. And luckily, I could do all of those things um, working part time at you know contracting as a consultant with a, an organization, and then also. 
um, being able to see patients. And I, I really was like spinning way too many things. I mean, I was going to bed a lot of times at two in the morning. There were so many emails coming from the shop right off the bat. I mean, I feel like because we connected with the right photographers and planners and venues of the business, we kind of just hit the ground running. Um, and Instagram, you know, such a powerful tool for marketing, especially for small businesses and, you know, especially on where we are that it, and in this, um, industry that it just, you know, it really took off. And then, um, because of that, I, I don't know how it happened, Carrie, like really, we just didn't have a lot of worries. It started and it was like, it was like, it was meant to be, you know, everything fell into place and we, we just kept moving. And then we were in Mailua for a while. And then we even, we, in two years, we moved to Haleiwa for a smaller space, but actually, you know, better location. And so we struggled quite a bit through the pandemic, like I said, with all the closures and we're not allowed to have um, big group meetings and things like that or, or parties. So that pretty much cut our wedding business out. So I started an online store to help you know, people to be able to order with us and us still be able to supply flowers. And so all these little things just kept coming up that seemed like good ideas. And, you know, like I said, with everything happening seemed to work out. And um, I wish I could say there was like way more <laughs> like planning involved, but it was like, okay, what do I do? And I think that's it with starting any business. It's like you do whatever research you can, you find whatever products you can, you know, you try to budget and do, um, the things that you need to do. And I didn't pay myself from the shop for, for quite a while. And I didn't pay myself significantly. You know, I, I really focused on making sure my employees and, um, contractors and, you know, the, the, the product flowers, all of that was all paid for. And that was it. That was how I was able to get it started. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you're saying that when you first started, you you hired that whole team and you were just funding the whole thing through your own private practice and all your work you were doing on on your own. And then you exactly. just used that in order to kind of just get it started. Exactly. Yeah. I um yeah, I mean, that was I knew I'm thankfully too, my husband works and afforded a lot of the time and space for us to do this. And so, yeah, whatever monies I made from my practice or consulting, then I, you know, used it for our family, but yeah, used it to start the shop. So it was, it was a, a struggle for a while, you know, just making sure that everything was working and, and, you know, like I said, it just continued to build one month after another um, we were, we were able to get more business and, and just grow pretty steadily. Yeah. Well, that is really a success story. Um, I'm just so <laughs> impressed uh, that you were able to pull all of that off because, and I, like you said, you're a risk taker. You took you're you're willing to take calculated risks and, you know, this one has just really paid off for you. Uh, you know, I stated earlier that I can tell that this has really served you as a person. Um, but can you just speak to a little bit how you think making this shift supported your well-being? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, there's there's so many parts of it. I think being a clinician, especially in being a psychologist where um, you're in also a small or rural community, can be pretty isolating. And so while I was a psychologist, um, before having my private practice, I, you know, I did a lot of consulting and I, I worked in hospitals and things like that. And that part wasn't so isolating because I was able to have connections with other psychologists or other, um, physicians and even people in the community. I mean, I guess our, my friend group were the surfers, and, you know, other people with children and things like that, we all had this, you know, we have things in common, but I guess once that became more of me practicing in the community, I feel like a lot of that got shut off. 
And so having the flower business, it just felt like I was able to be me again. Like I was able to connect with others in the community, not just on the business level, but on a creative level too. And one of the things through psychology, I mean, there's so many ways that you can be creative, but designing and art and style are so different, you know, than academic creativity. (laughs) So, you know, through growing up, I've, I've dabbled in painting and um, I've always liked fashion and uh, looked at what's current. And I really love design as far as like building my dad and my brother builders. And um, my mom's actually a, a hairstylist. So I felt like we were always like kind of in the design world and even my home, like remodeling and things like that, something that we're even doing right now, you know, I've always just loved those things. And so through creating in flowers, it, it really allowed me to be more in touch with that part of who I am. I think if, you know, school was so important when I was growing up, I mean, I think that's what my mom, um, the gift that she was able to give me is like, okay, go to school, be whoever you want to be, you know, it's always very encouraged. Like you could, you can be anything. And, and of course, like being in a, a create, having a created mom and um, culture, it was like, okay, you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor. <laughs> so um, it wasn't really, even though I was interested in art and dance, that wasn't, it's almost like it wasn't allowed, you know, that wasn't something that was possible. And so I just ignored all of that, you know, I, I really didn't dive in. And so this allowed me definitely to explore more and and really get involved. And then again, like networking and having social events or being a part of social events was just such a good, um, good part. I, I think naturally I'm somewhat of more of an introvert. Like I definitely can be an extrovert and have and enjoy, you know, a lot of people, but I also need to pull back and have that quiet time. And so flowers allows you to do that, you know, creating allows you to do that. And and get the gift of flowers really is something unique too that I wasn't expecting, you know, being able to design something and it be a piece of art, but also the feelings that people gain from flowers and being able to see that um, over and over again, it's just so rewarding. And with psychology, I don't know, like you get to see the end product quite a bit, but it's nothing like when you create something with your hands and it's almost like, you know, you're done, you see a finished product being built. I think that's what my dad really enjoyed is being um, a builder too, is at the end of the day, you can really see the work that you've put into it. Um, So there's so many facets of it that I think are truly rewarding and speak to that part of me that, you know, can help me feel alive and help me feel like I'm, I'm on the path. And I think that's one of the things I've always asked for. It's like, okay, what path should I be on? Is this it? And so, yeah, getting into the flowers really helped to open that up. I'm just so interested in how, as humans, we all have this creativity within us. And oftentimes it's just not being tapped, Um, you know, and maybe because of, like you said, the way that we're raised on the messages that we're given as we're growing up, um, you know, that, you know, you need to be a doctor or you need to be a lawyer. Um, and although, you know, I love how you said your mom just encouraged you and said, you could be anything, you can do anything yet at the same time, (laughs) only certain things were really on the menu. Right. (laughs) Right? Right. So, you know, I think that that's like, it's almost like this evolution and process that we need to go through in our lives when uh, we start to, and I love how you've been able to reflect on your own life and, and kind of tap into those parts, those creative parts of yourself that really make you feel whole. Because I think it's easy to go through our whole life, maybe with without ever doing that and without ever really getting into those creative aspects that, that really make us feel so much more alive. Um, I mean, I've kind of experienced the same thing, you know, where I just, 
I feel, I felt like I want to be more creative. I want to be able to create something to, and also be able to serve other people, you know, help Mm -hmm. other people through this creative mechanism. So yeah, I love all of those things and I can see how all of your choices have really enabled you to flourish. So I'm curious though, what is the connection do you think between our psychology and flowers or do you think there is one? I think we have a connection with all living things and, you know, I, I think there is just something about, I, it's funny. I always tell my husband, like, I love putting my bare feet on the ground. You know, I don't know what it is about that. Like even just walking out to the car to grab something and coming back in the house, I don't want to like put slippers on. Cause I'm like, I, I just bare feet on the ground. It's, um, there's something about being in nature and surrounded. And there's so many studies on like, you know, people who live by the water and, and certain locations and just a mindset um, that we have. And so I think it is connecting to nature. And I, and when you bring that into your home or your experience or your space, then it, for me, you know, I've, I've practiced, Uh, meditation or mindfulness. And for me, I think it is that moment that we're able to use our senses, all five senses. And, you know, we're, we're, we're there, we're in the present moment. And I, and there's not a lot of things that, that are, I guess, the day to day things that can do that unless we're giving it that intention, you know, and I think when someone gives you flowers, it puts you right in that moment, that space that allows you to do that without intentionally putting yourself there, if that makes sense. Now that's Um, so beautiful. Yeah. That idea of flowers, just bringing us into the present moment. And you hear that all the time, you know, in terms of being present, people using that even as an example, like, you know, are you looking around you and seeing that flower there, you know, and, or are you just so busy that you just pass all of those things by and you don't notice any of the beauty around you? Mm-hmm. So you're right. I guess that act of giving someone flowers, it kind of just draws them right in, right? Yeah. Like, to see that beauty. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's a natural pause that's hear, see, taste, smell, feel. And I think, and, and really we need more of that, you know, we need more of those times when we're allowed to pause and, and be in that very moment. And I, I would say that's how flowers are, are packaged, you know, like we're able to do that. And maybe even a step further is, is the emotion that the person giving the flowers or um, receiving the flowers the emotion that's conveyed when, when we're celebrating with someone, we're giving them that when we're, it's like food, you know, like when, when we're, you know, having bereavement or grief, we're giving that emotion. I mean, the sympathy that's there. Like, I, I really think we're, we're also giving that part of it or, or they can really hold that for us. Um, we've had, you know, really crazy flower shop moments of weddings or, um, you know, big ones for us are Mother's Day and Valentine's Day where we're just slammed and it's, you know, hours upon hours of orders where they're till two in the morning and things are crazy. We're handling so much at, you know, at one time. And I'll often say to my team, Um, if I can feel like mood shift or because we're just like so overwhelmed with what's going on or we've been there all day, I'll, I'll feel the mood and the shift and, you know, I'll let you, yes, go home, do whatever you have to do. But I, I say to them, please do not come in if you aren't here for this reason. If you can't be here, if you're not in a good mood, if you don't feel it, because I do feel like, you know, our our emotions, our, our energy there. It's like when you're working with food, like it's being um, put into that. And I don't want 
that to be in our work if you're not in the in a good space and that's a lot to ask of someone especially if they've (laughs) been there all day but I want to give you know the people who are receiving this the messages that um, were meant to be there and I think too it also has you know to do with the design aspect if you don't feel it you're also not going to create it you know and but yeah, I always think that's really important. It's like, how do you, how do you feel when you're doing the work that you do? Cause I do think that that moves into your work. Yeah. That's a very powerful insight that, you know, just to have that awareness of the energy and the emotion that we're bringing into any given space, um, especially our work, uh, because it really does impact those that we're serving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I think that's why I think as humans, it's so important for us to learn how to regulate our emotions um, and to ha- and how to start to have that awareness about, you know, what we are bringing into a space. You know, you mentioned how, you know, starting this business and, you know, juggling both this business as well as your private practice um, and, you know, your family and all of the many things that you have in your very full life. You mentioned <laughs> um, how challenging it could be to actually balance all of this, but I think it sounds like you have found, you know, more balance. And I know that it's a continuous process and I'm in that same exact process as you. So I totally get it, but I'm curious, um, you know, through all of this, how have you been able to learn to maintain your own well-being and sense of balance? Yeah, that's another great question. It it shifts and there's like there's so many things. You know, I was I was thinking back like um when I did the boat trip and I had that moment where I was like okay we're we're only going to do this when you get back because that's what's fulfilling like how do you how do you reach that and part of that fulfillment was um maybe as all of us who are surfers think okay how can we surf more (laughs) and so you know the flowers drove me you know into that direction but also like private practice was a reason uh, you know, surfing was a reason to get into private practice too, is I'm always looking at how can I surf more? How can I be in the water more? Um, and so flowers is a way of doing that. I don't actually have, I have a team. I don't actually have to be at the store every moment of the day because I, I can surf more and I can be with my family more. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question, surfing is such a huge part of how I can bounce back from a lot of stress is, you know, like I talked about those really heavy days of the shop. All I want to do is just be submerged in the water after that, whether I'm surfing or swimming, I just want to get under the water. <laughs> so um, I'm always looking for ways of how that can happen. I mean, even before our call this morning, we, we went for a swim and and I, I just think like flowers, there's nothing like the ocean, especially with that much movement and power and energy. It's a force bigger than me. And it, and it kind of takes all of that pressure away is the best way that I can describe it. And, and I think that is again, because I can allow all of my senses to be there and really take it all in and, and have everything that it brings. Yes. If I had to say what helps the most surfing, because it does allow me to have so much time to think and, and be, you know, out there to consider what's happening. It also is a great distraction. It's social. There's so many friends around that we get to catch up with. And I'm very much like I, I I'm pretty competitive, but I don't compete with other people. It's with myself. And so surfing allows that too. Cause every session I'm like, okay, what can I do differently? How can I improve this or do, you know, something new? <laughs> so there's also that part of it. Um, and you know, if 
stretching is another part. If I'm looking at like the list of things that really help uh, stretching, um, drinking lots of water, making sure I get, have a good diet. Um, but in, and time with family is huge. I think through everything I've had such a supportive family, I think they keep me on my toes and they're like, what you're going to do what? And, and <laughs> whether it's, you know, in the shop or going on a surf trip again, like, you know, like it's always, it's always something, but I think all in the end, they're, they're extremely supportive. And I think at this point, they're just like, yeah, of course you are. And, and yes, what, how can we help you do it? And meeting with friends, I was talking about like how it can be pretty isolating being when it like a psychologist in a small community, I wasn't able to really branch out and make friends. I didn't feel like I had that much of an identity because I, you know, I had all these confidential relationships and that I was maintaining and um, that's all part of it. And so now not doing that and now being in the shop and I, I can actually just feel more relaxed and also be more social than I would have before. So I think that's a number of things. I also love just learning new things. So I try to focus on, you know, that's another great distraction. I, I try to look into other interests and um, still do a lot of reading or research or podcasts, audiobooks, whenever I can to, to kind of stay informed or learn something new you know, really um, something that would be interesting. Yeah, well, you so. uh, just made so many excellent points. And I <laughs> really appreciate how, you know, when you described how you maintain your well-being, you're really taking it from the approach, you know, looking at yourself as a whole person. You're like, you know, I need my time in the water. I need to be in the ocean. I need my physical exercise. Um, I need my relationships. My, you know, I need to be building friendships. Um, you know, I need my alone time. I need time with others. I need my healthy diet. You know, I love how you brought in all these different aspects because I agree with you that, you know, in order for us to really achieve that sense of well-being, we do need to look at ourselves as a whole person and, and assess the many different areas of our life. Um, and I agree with so many of the things that you said. Um, and I love you know, actually, a lot of the things you said, I think really aligned to this idea of this coffee, surf, yoga, wine lifestyle, um, you know, a life mm -hmm. of really having balance, joy and well being. And so you kind of touched on a lot of them and what you just described, but I'd love to ask you a few questions um, about how you kind of practice these different pillars. So to start off uh, with coffee, um, you know, I kind of think of this, it's not only like drinking coffee, although it could be, but it's about, you know, how you start off your day for success. So do you have any morning practices um, that you that you have to start off your day? Yes. Um, coffee is definitely <laughs> on there. So I am slow to like, I I'm not the best morning person. I'm more to more of a night owl for sure. Um, having children change that <laughs> for somewhat during their earlier years, it, it's like mandatory that I was in an early bird, but now that they're older, I can take my time again. I don't know what it is. I just love to lounge in the morning and not, um, even if they're, I'm, well, if there's really good ways, I will dog patrol when I can. But, um, if I had my way, I would just totally take my time. And so that's part of it. Like I, 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 I think my husband and I are very opposite that way. He's up at like ready to go four thirty, five o'clock in the morning, whereas I'm more of like a nine, 10 o'clock <laughs> so um he's like waiting he's already had like half a day <laughs> by the time I'm awake <laughs> so um but I do I get up and I will you know first thing I do is drink uh, a whole thing of water that's like been a, a ritual for a long time and so then I just kind of cruise and see what's going on and I um a lot of mornings then I'll you know 
have to take the kids to school or, or the youngest one to school um, and get their lunch together if I can, if Ed hasn't already done that. But yeah, I think it's like kind of cruise, see what's going on in the news. Um, and I, I really do have certain news outlets for me that I only want to listen to. Like I, I, I'm, I'm just very selective at what I want to open my mind to. And then, um, and then, yes, I have to check all my, um, my feeds and like, look at what's happening in, uh, my, the, the, the flower shop world, but, um, having coffee, having, a a breakfast, hopefully I don't have to warm those things up more than once. <laughs> and, and then, um, I then, you know, really will go on to surf or get in the water somehow after that. So that's how I, you know, I, I really start my day off. Fantastic. I like how you just kind of ease into your day and how, you know, you are selective about what you're allowing in or not allowing in, um, and that you're just true to yourself in your own natural rhythms. Uh, I like that. So the next pillar is surf, uh, which I know is very important to you. And, you know, to me, it's all about, I mean, for me, it's definitely about actually surfing. I don't think it has to be about surfing. It's about being in nature, um, moving mm-hmm. our body in nature. Um, you know, you described already how getting into the water is just so beneficial to you, especially after a long day of work and, I mean, I feel the exact same way. It, it's like you walk, you get into the water as one person and you come out as another sometimes, you know, um, yes. it just kind of renews you and rejuvenates you. So tell me, um, how do you practice this pillar of surf? Yeah, it, you know, I think it's changed over the years. It's taken shape. You know, I'm kind of late to surfing. I, I didn't surf until I met my husband and... um. And for a long time, especially through, you know, having kids and, and I mean, you were there, we were like the tent community on the beach. We have so many good memories of that, Laura. We spent years where one of us, like, you know, the women would go surf, then all the, and all, then the women would come back and then all the dads would go surf and, you know, we would stay on the beach with the kids, you know, we lived that for years. Right? We did. It was so fun to like, just look back from the water and like see all of our tents on the beach yes. and dads with the kids. And it's so funny because now none of us have that anymore, right? Yes. <laughs> We've simplified our lives. I right. Think. Well, at least in that respect. I don't know, but in all the other ways. But yes. <laughs> um <laughs> yes. So I think, you know, just shifted because I think for a while there there was like almost a sense of panic around okay, when are you going to surf again? (laughs) And how are you going to get in the water? And I noticed even this year, like we went through December and wow, what an incredible January we had of surf. And I would notice after like three sessions of really good surf, I, I would just be like, like this feeling of you know, addiction or whatever that is. I would it's like euphoria. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it does I, really, you do feel like in this higher state, right? It's, yes. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would just be like, how can I get more of this? You know, and it would, I could tell, you know, I, after a couple of sessions, if you have really good surf for me, then I would just be like on and like looking for it again, more and more and more. Um, and so I would have to like really watch how much I would be jonesing for surf because I'm probably annoying everyone else, you know, like that's all I could talk about or think about. Um, and so I do get those moments too, but I, I think I, I really just, I look at the surf report. I really try to like find times to get in the water. And for me, I've found surf surfing late, but I've also even later, I found swimming, um, and doing laps. So I've just been like, I try to get in the water as much as I can in whatever form that is. And so it's kind of a day-to-day ritual of like, okay, checking the surf report. And then depending on what's going on, you know, either do a stretch or, um, go for a swim or, or surf. 
Okay. Yeah. So with the stretching in mind, that kind of leads into maybe the next pillar, which is yoga. (laughs) Yoga. Um, Although I don't, I mean, I think that the physical practice of yoga can definitely be a part of this pillar and it is for me. Um, However, Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's also more than that. You know, it's about, you know, how do we regulate our emotions? How do we stay calm, centered? How do we have that positive Mm -hmm. mindset? I think, you know, kind of like what you were speaking about, what you want your workers, your staff to bring into your flower shop? You know, how do we have that? How do we build that and maintain that? So how do you do that for yourself? Yeah, I I feel like most days I'm actively talking to myself through it. Um, you know, when I got back from the trip, the first trip that we did, Um, the first surf trip that we did, I had all of those, you know, aha moments there that I wanted to bring back and somehow implement. And I had this time where I thought I've got to be really careful because the list of things that I had to change, um, how the, the list of things that I had to change in my life there were so many that I had to really think, okay, how am I going to be responsible about this and not just go through and hack all the things that I do in a day. And so how do I responsibly make a change that's pretty significant changes? Like I said, like my career, you know? And so um, I've, I've just, I mentioned that because I've noticed over the years, I've become more aware day to day, you know, what my mood is like through the day and how it's impacting the people around me. And so, um, I mean, being a psychologist, you think that that would just become so easy in nature, but I, I, I do think, um, more so because I'm not doing that part where, you know, I'd spend hours listening to people and looking at their emotional um, regulation. And so, you know, in some ways it wasn't as, I wasn't maybe listening to myself as much. And so now I really feel like that's, that happens every morning. As soon as I open my eyes, you know, I'm looking at, okay, wow, I really noticed this, what contributed to this part of it. And, and then I try to do things to that will help get me out of if I'm in a funk or, you know, how do I maintain the mood that I'm in? And I also know like it will shift, you know, things are, are, aren't, aren't forever. Like how do we, based on whatever's happening in the day, really decide to sit back and take it slow. I think that for me, that's really important not to react really in the moment, but give it a chance to respond, whether that be an email or a conversation with someone, I just really do my best to give it more time. And, and sometimes it settles itself, but a lot of times I just have to, you know, take time to really think about what I'm going to um, what I'm going to do. I think that seems to be the most helpful is, um, making sure that I have time for myself and I'm able to do that. Yeah. So, you know, Laura, you know, since, you know, with your background as Mm -hmm. a clinical psychologist, I'm curious on this topic of emotional regulation, um, like what are maybe one, two or three tips that you might have for the listeners about how they could regulate their emotions or, you know, what, what should they do in order to have a better emotional state? Narrowing it down. Let's see. So there's, there's so much about self-talk, you know, and I, I would say no matter what the the circumstance is how you talk to yourself throughout the day is so important to not only how you feel, but how you're going to relate to the people around you. And I wish that we had more education and practice or training growing up in schools that really taught us about self-talk and what, and the things that we say to ourselves throughout the day. I I don't think we're doing enough 
of the, of how we would talk to a friend. Whenever friends come to you, you know, you're, you're very supportive and you're trying to help them and, and really ease their mind and give them solutions. But when it comes to ourselves, if, you know, we're, we're beating ourselves up for the decisions or the things that we've done. And I think there's so much room for us to really listen to, okay, what are the words that we're using and how can we be kind and how can we be our best friend? How can we support ourselves more and, and let ourselves know it's okay. You know, you didn't get it this time, but that's okay. How do you, how do you, you know, really allow yourself to do it differently next time or to make change if you want to make change there's even, you know, like the loving kindness meditations, how they've been shown, even with research, to be so impactful, um, where you're able to give yourself that space of saying, you're you're doing the best you can. You know, you you really are. You're you're, you know, look at how much you've put into this or whatever that is, you know, that you're more gentle. Um, and like I said, if you could talk to yourself like you do your friends when they come to you with problems, wow, I think what a difference that would make. Yeah, that's an excellent tip. Um, you know, thinking about our self-talk and becoming aware of our self-talk, you know, how are we speaking to ourselves? Um, and is, you know, is it with love? Is it with kindness? Or is it always with that inner critic? Uh, I know that that's like a huge challenge for so many people. So that's an excellent tip. And plus the loving kindness meditation. I mean, you know, you think about that and then you're like, you're like, oh, it must be about sending love and kindness to others. But you're like, no, it's not only sending it to others. It's also sending it to yourself. Um, you know, how are we right. giving, having that self-compassion and, you know, how that can really support us more as a person. So yeah, I love those suggestions. And I also love how you mentioned that you wish that as kids, we were learning about these things because, I mean, that's really what my work is focused on now um, in our public schools. It's with growing social emotional learning and even trauma-informed mm -hmm. practices in our schools. So I have that same desire. And I think that, you know, we need these things as adults and are, you know, how much better off would we have been if we had learned them when we were kids? So, yes. um, yeah, I'm all about that. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. I think even through, you know, through the therapies and all the, you know, different practices we learn or treatments that we learn, you know, I think that mindful self-compassion would even be the start of those, you know, like, I don't, I think that's a layer that's somehow missing through all of those treatments not to say that you don't get there, you do eventually get there, but I, I think, you know, it's like the fundamentals and um, it's so cool that you're doing that work because the awareness of how we talk to ourselves, but also then the day-to-day -day of like how you even have the, the ability to change it. Um, and even through physical touch, like it's amazing how much self-soothing can happen even through, you know, if you're just able to like, if you're being self-compassionate and you're able just to put your own hand on over your heart, um, through a moment, you know, that can be so helpful and impactful. And I, um, yes, I really love the work that has come from mindful self-compassion and, and for anyone, you know, really looking into that, there's, there is a good body of work coming from mindful self-compassion and, and uh, Kristen Neff's work in EFF. She has a great uh, book out that really goes through that and asks so many great questions and gives you experiences that you can practice. Fantastic. Thanks for that recommendation. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, so shifting then to the pillar of wine, um, I know you've spoken a lot about how important connecting with others has been um, on your wellness journey. And also, you know, you spoke to how, how hard it can be to really find that real balance and rest, you know, in our lives when we're trying to spin so many plates. So uh, tell me, 
you know, when I think, well, well, for me, when I think about the pillar of wine, you know, it can be about like, to me, the wine, it represents kind of uh, those when we do take the time to relax and to connect with others. So how do you practice this pillar of wine? Mm-hmm. Usually we just lounge. <laughs> I really think like at home, I can just sometimes it's binging on Netflix or, you know, whatever shows that we're watching. A lot of times it's, it is um, also journaling and spending time with kids. We do also love wine. I think just being, you know, in, in a social situation, trying to bring friends and having friends is something I'm definitely trying to get better at. I, I, I always tell my husband, like, I'm, and I tell my friends, yeah, I'm not that great of a friend. Like, I'm trying to be there and I'll, you know, I guess with everything going on, like, I'm, I'm terrible at making plans and, you know, trying to connect with people. But I, I am, I notice as my kids get older, I'm, I am trying to make more time and create more room for that. But to unwind and to be relaxed, I think is just to really like veg and not do much of anything. Ed and I have a lot of really heart to heart conversations. We spend a lot of time like talking, thinking about things. Maybe that's the psychologists in us because I've married a psychologist. So I think we just have a lot of time for those long talks too. And, and I would say travel, you know, travel is a, a big part of that. Um, it is an escape. It is a way for us to, you know, remove ourselves and and be completely somewhere else and and look at the world from another perspective so I think those are the things um I love how you give yourself the space for the travel you know amidst all of the busyness that you have in your life and that you really I mean I have noticed over the years you always carve out time you always make time for that um so I admire that and yeah I think those connections um, with our husband or, you know, with our significant other are so beneficial. Uh, And I'm like you, I mean, I need to work on the friendship piece. I think it's so easy to just, you know, amidst our busy lives to let that go, Mm -hmm. but there's so much research that shows how important and how much happier we are actually when we maintain relationships throughout our lives. So it's kind of something that we want to try to make an effort to do. So I'm definitely working on that. Um, sounds like you are too. <laughs> so It's tough, you know, with everyone doing so much, I think it's pretty tough to make new friends, especially, you know, as we get older, but also to maintain those relationships. It's a lot of work. It's like every relationship, right? It's a lot of work and, and good work to, and, and yes, a great investment, I think over time. Yeah, definitely. Laura, so I know that we're just, we're reaching the end of our time together, but I did want to ask, what advice would you have for someone who doesn't think that they have any time or energy to focus on their health and wellness? I've ran, run into that quite a bit, especially like in the hospitals, I, you know, nurses, physicians, they're so giving Um, a lot of times they just don't have time or feel like they have time to give to themselves. Um, I think that's for any caregiver, you know, people who take care of people with illness, mothers, fathers, um, any caregiver really can, can have that mindset. And I would say it's, it's challenging, but I think like finding a routine is, is very helpful. Um, and finding a routine with a partner may even be that much more, you know, just really trying to find someone who's going to also hold you accountable and, and text you, Hey, when are we going to the beach or whatever that looks like? Because I can guarantee you there's another person out there that's in the same situation and in a rut and can't really seem to make that adjustment. It is a mindset and, and really, um, again, it comes back to the self-talk too of like, in, in my mind, what I think of or, or people may not be seeing or understanding how valuable it is. And it might come back to like, are you worth it? You know, are you seeing the value 
for yourself to give to yourself what you need in order to be healthy and feel healthy. And so maybe they just haven't seen the overall impact. Um, A lot of times folks are so young and still very strong, but they're not seeing the long-term effects. And so maybe it's, you know, really valuing your own time and getting into more of that, like looking at what your self-talk is every day that somehow you aren't fitting into that. So I would say that, I think that would be, you know, really connecting with someone, if you can to say, Hey, this isn't, this is what I'm struggling with. Is there a way that we can help each other through it? Yeah. I love that. I love how you talked about building habits because I very much believe in that, that it's really about a sustained lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and just building it into who we are, but I, you're right. It goes back to our self-talk and, you know, do we believe that we deserve it, that we're worth it, that, you know, that we need those things in our lives in order to show up as the best version of ourselves for others. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think those are really important pieces. And then if, you know, some people are more internally motivated, some people are more externally motivated and they really thrive when they are able to do things with other people. So that's um, another great suggestion to find a buddy or a partner uh, to engage in your wellness activities with. Mm-hmm. So Laura, you are doing so much amazing work and you have this beautiful flower shop. You are bringing so much beauty into the world through Lulu's Lay and Bouquet. Oh, so thank you. W- yeah. So are there any services in particular you'd like to highlight about your business and also how can people connect with you? Um, services we do, we are full service shop. So it really is, you know, whether it be giving someone a hand wrap bouquet, which I think is our most popular, our most popular product, or if you're, you know, setting off a celebration or an event, we do all of those things. And I would say you can reach us on Instagram. Our handle is Lulu's Lay and Bouquets. And, um, or you can email us at aloha at Lulu's Lay and Bouquets. Fantastic. I will link all of that up in the show notes for you. Thanks, Carrie. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, this conversation has been so much fun, Laura. I am so thankful to you for taking the time from your very busy schedule to join me today. It's been so much fun. And I hope that we see each other in the water sometime soon. Yes, absolutely. Tomorrow, there's a swell tomorrow. <laughs> yes, Let's yes. Do it. You, Let's you do and it. I and, and everyone else will be there. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, too. This is really exciting. And I'm so glad that you're, you know, also diving into the things that you love and sticking with your pillars and staying true to yourself. It's so cool to see and you know, let me know if how I can help in any way. I'm, I'm stoked for you. Congratulations. Wow. What an awesome conversation. Laura is so impressive and she shared some really useful tips and insights that we could start applying to our lives today. Some of the key takeaways were number one, we can make the decision to be more free. Number two, there is value and satisfaction in creating and especially creating something with your own hands where you see a finished product at the end of the day. Number three, flowers are one way that we can actually connect with nature. Number four, giving flowers creates a natural pause that engages all of our senses and brings us into the present moment. Number five, emotion is conveyed through giving and receiving flowers. Number six, the energy we bring to our work becomes a part of the product that is created. Number seven, surfing relieves stress and like flowers, it engages our senses and brings us into presence. Number eight, we can regulate our emotions through being aware of our self-talk. We should practice speaking to ourselves how we would speak to and support a friend. Number nine, loving kindness meditations are a way for us to practice self-compassion. Number 10, finding a routine or a partner can help us to make 
more time for health and wellness practices. If you enjoyed this conversation or got something out of it, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps so much and would mean so much to me to hear about how this podcast is impacting you. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. As I mentioned in the show intro, I am super excited to let you know that I now have a free guide available for you called Four Tips for Living a Coffee, Surf, Yoga, Wine Lifestyle Plus a Bonus Planner. This guide is completely free and it will help you to plan intentionally to live the four pillars of coffee, surf, yoga, and wine. I want you to live a life of balance, joy, and well-being, so get your copy today by clicking on the link in the show notes. You can also access it on Instagram by clicking on the link in my bio. If you're not following me on Instagram already, then be sure to follow me at Coffee Surf Yoga Wine so that we can connect and so that you can get the latest updates on new podcast episodes. Send me a personal message and let me know how I can help you to live your Coffee Surf Yoga Wine lifestyle. What questions do you need answered? Or what resource would help you the most? What topics would you like to hear about on the show? I would love to hear from you. Until next time, may you be well and enjoy some coffee, surf, yoga, and wine.